chapter 7, verse 1. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these charges true? To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of yep. the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to the land where we are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set foot on, but God promised him that he that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way, For four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterwards they will come out of the country and worship me in this yeah. place. Uh, what I find um, interesting about this part is when you think of Abraham, it says um, he, that the God of glory appeared to Father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And I think it's interesting because... Um, and then he said, leave your country and your people, God said, go to the land, I will show you. So he left and settled in Haran. And you learn about this in in. Um, Genesis and this sort of thing, but I think it's interesting that um, when you when you hear the call of Abraham, it's not just one simple thing. Just go here, and then he goes there. It's it's he gives him. Um, I suppose what it says, God calls Abraham, even though at the time he doesn't really understand it's a call. But then later, in Acts and even later in in Genesis, it actually says that he called him before. Haran, whereas in Genesis you actually hear about him leaving Ur, going to Haran, and then God called him. And so he's saying, no, I actually called you earlier. Um, and I think it's interesting how sometimes God leads us, and sometimes initially we don't know that he's leading us. And then you realize, oh, he was doing that. You know, it's like later you realize, oh, he was actually, like you've shared and, you know, I've had it in my own life. It's, we might not be aware at the time he's leading us, but later we realise, oh, he was leading us to that point to, to move us along. Mm. Yeah, he only sets up opportunities, opens doors and things, and then when you look back, you're like, oh, look at the way that we ended up where we are. Uh. So I'm just going to read from Genesis chapter 12, which is what he's talking about. And it says, the Lord said to Abram, this is verse 1, says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, mm-hmm. your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And see, so that's the interesting thing, because in Genesis 12, you actually say he called him, and then he said, he was this age when he left Haran. Then you go into Acts, and it's and it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a controversy or anything, but it's quite interesting because you go, where did he call him? And I think it's interesting. He said, you know, while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Aram, he called him, leave your country. And God said, I'll go to the land. And I find it really interesting 
that um, he just reminds us that, you know, Genesis talks about, you know, well, it, it sort of says that he called him, but you, you know what I mean? It's like sometimes you can get, um, God can be going, I want you, I called you here, and then you realize, oh, he's been telling me that for a long time. And I find that encouraging because sometimes you go, um, you know, mm. I'm struggling to hear what God's saying. And then you realize, oh, he's been speaking the whole time. And now he's making it clearer. And I just find that just a little bit encouraging um, that we, we sometimes worry about, oh, am I going to miss what God's saying? And sometimes it's like he wants to make it clear for us. But even if we're not hearing properly, he often will bring things about to move us in that direction anyway, which is quite encouraging. You know, that it's not like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've heard stories like, um, Very encouraging. you know, God's telling people about um, safety, you know, watch out, there's a car over the corner or something like this. And sometimes you're here and you pull over and you're safe. But it's like sometimes um, you're not hearing and then you come over the, the hill and you find out something else has happened that God's intervened as well. So it's like a bit of grace in there. So... Yeah, so I, I just like that. And yeah. I think also when he said, um, when he left, so in verse 4, back in Acts chapter 7, so he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to yeah. this land where you're now living. And I think it's interesting, he said, he gave him no inheritance, not even a foot of ground, but promised that he and his descendants would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. And I think, you know, Stephen's just reminding us what, we understand, but I think it's that promise that he started off with nothing. God called him. God promised blessing, and now they, years later, they're realizing the reason we have a country here and people here is because of what God had done and what God had promised. And I think, um, you know, these people who are, you know, really saying we're, we're the children of Abraham, and he's basically remember, remember Abraham had nothing, and he followed God. And don't want to get too much into it, but I just think it's a good reminder. But I think that's, that's we need to keep that in mind when God's telling us to do something and we're standing there going, well, I don't have anything. How can, how can I make that happen? And God's going, no, no. I will make yeah. it happen through you, but you just need to be yeah. moving. I like the old analogy, you know, that he can steer a moving ship. And, you know, like I remember the old, story you know the push bike you know if you're moving you, you don't fall off but if you try to stop you'll fall off unless you're an olympic cyclist and you've trained for years with your muscles but <laughs> principle generally is you're going to fall off if you stop yeah. yeah so um and i think then also yeah. in verse five he gave him no inheritance but then god promised that they possessed the land, God spoke to him in this way, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and they'll be enslaved and mistreated. So it goes through the whole history of happening, happened through Joseph and the enslavement and then coming out. And uh, it is interesting that God actually prophesied before it happened and then um, when Moses came, he is the fulfillment of the prophecy. So that's interesting. But then I think it's interesting that um, he's, he's just going into the history. So I go too far, but verse 8 he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. And then I think it's a good little reminder. I'll read verse 9 if you like, um, unless you've got something else you want to talk about the bits before. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm pretty it good is. with that. Yeah, this and it's actually really good because you can read it and then go, oh, I'll read a bit more about that in Genesis or I'll read a little bit more about that in, you know, actually most of it's in Genesis. <laughs> but yeah, it's quite good. So in, in 9 it says, Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and res- rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our father, fathers could not find food. When Jacob heard there was grain in Egypt, he went sent our fathers on their visit, on their first visit. On the second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent from his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and his fathers died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in a tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt increased greatly. And I think, really, I think he's establishing the fact that he's a Jew. Because remember, he had opposition from the... If you read verse... Last chapter, chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Stephen, full of a man full of God's grace and power did great wonders. And it says in verse 9, Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedom and the Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria. And so it's interesting, he started off by reminding them, hey, we're actually brothers because through Abraham. So, you know, you're arresting me and you're against me, but you're saying we're actually, we're actually the same because we've actually got the same patriarchs, we've got the same ancestors. And reminding them, of the commonality that they have. Yes. Yes. This is. Yeah, and I think it's going that hey, you know, what I'm telling you, you should already know, and that's what you've got a foundation. So I said, um, and it says, yeah, I think we it sort of makes sense really. He's giving that summary and just saying, yep, we understand this history. so this we agree on. So the other bits you may not agree on, but you, this we agree on. And then it says in verse 11, famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our fathers could not food, find food. When Jacob heard there was grain, he sent our fathers on a first visit. And that's where we talked about, you know, Joseph revealing himself, and then they brought the history there. Um, so I think, you know, not reading too much into it. It's like you said, it's a nice summary, nice history. And I think what I like about it is he's, in a general sense, showing mm-hmm. that God moves through people. He's called Abraham out of, and I think it's nice, he's, he's basically, he, I've called Abraham out of Haran, or before, out of, before Haran, out of the Chaldeans, and then he's brought him into the land, and then he talks about Joseph, and God's with Joseph, and he leads, then he leads Israel into Egypt, and it's sort of like God's leading. I think... In a sense, then he's talking about in verse... Um, I would, might as well read it rather than talk about it too much. Um, where did we get up to? I think verse 16, wasn't it? Did you want to read verse 17? 18. Okay, do you want to read verse 18? Uh, 18. Yeah, that's right. I think we got up to 18. Yep. And then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. 
He dealt treacherously with our people and opposed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he cared for his family. And who, that when he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as, his, as her own son. Moses, educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, was a powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defence and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realise that God was using him I think to that's, rescue I think that's... Just stop there not. for a second. Isn't that a powerful... When you the think about day, it, Moses came a powerful statement. You know, <laughs> here are the educated Jews seizing Stephen and then he's saying when Moses decided to visit them they, he thought the people would recognise and realise that God was using him to rescue them but they did not sort of, in a sense it's like you could sort of see a glimpse of it it's, you know, God used Moses if you listen carefully you can hear the good news that I'm going to present but they're stubborn and they follow the same as their ancestors and they don't listen. Yes. So then verse 24. Right. Yeah. Do you want me to continue on? Yes. I mean 26. Acts seven twenty-six. The next day Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you rule and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, Midian. he fled to Midian, yeah. where he settled at Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. And I think... Um yeah. Yep, I will continue. After 40 years had passed... Oh. Yep. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed by the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and he did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for this place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself. Through the angel who appeared to him in the bush, he led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt. That's yeah, I think that's the Red Sea stopping point. Uh, just, it is a long section, but I, I don't know. As I'm read, as you're reading it, I'm, I'm finding it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's. Yeah, it is. It's hard to break this one up because yeah. it is actually yeah. one. You almost wonder if he said it without taking a breath. 
Yeah. Yes. But it doesn't but help with a lot of interesting is either. We sort of know the story <laughs> and it sort of, you know, it reminds me of things in Genesis and the story and it's a really summary of it. But I find it interesting. You, you just see a glimpse of God's moving amongst his people, you know, and it's like we said before about Abraham didn't fully know, but then God knew and was calling him. Moses came to the people and they said, who are you? And they rejected him. But then God, 40 years later, revealed himself to the people. So they finally did accept that he was actually the one. So in a sense, that's like the people were blind. But then they started to then say, oh, Moses is actually chosen to lead us out. Mm. took a lot of humbling from Moses. But I just think it's that picture of like, um, I just find it really interesting. It's like, when you're coming into something new, he reminds you that God is the one who's been leading. So I think even in the current environment with the whole COVID and other things, and as at church, we're looking at how do we bring in new strategies and how do we reach in new ways and things like this. In a sense, God's already been preparing us and been leading us. And then when, in a sense, ages later, we're realizing, oh, God actually been saying these things for a long time. Um, Today, Rachel was watching a, um, we talked to, um, we had a meeting yeah. last night yeah. and Rachel was listening to a, um, we got share, shared a, um, I think Mark Varigues, we got shared a training sort of video and Rachel was listening to today, I was at work so I didn't, but I heard the summary. <laughs> and it's interesting because what they're doing now is quite effective with the connect groups and it's really working well now with the COVID situation and everything. But what's interesting is God's been leading and we're, we're sitting there going, this is something been in our heart for five years. And it's interesting how God's been speaking these things, but now we're starting to see like a, he's reminding you, remember those things I told you about five years? Well, now's the time it's important to act. And I think this reminds me of the same thing that Abraham, when you think about it, Abraham had a call went to Haran, which is like halfway, and then his elderly father-in-law was there and looked after him until he died. And in a sense, you think, oh, I just haven't got very far. And then God calls him again, you know, and brings him out and continues. And I think it's that side of, um, I just like that, just, I know, I just say that little mm-hmm. thing, I suppose it highlights a lot today, is that side of, that God's reminding that he is the one that's guiding us into these situations. You know, and, He's with us, and I think, in a sense, COVID's just one thing. You've got the whole thing in Afghanistan at the moment too, but it's also God's been preparing us in different ways. And, you know, just got to listen. <laughs> I think also in this story, we need to remember that God also said that he had a plan. I know. It was going to take <laughs> 400 years. Yes. Bit of time. So you need to, you just need to take a moment and think, okay, yeah. yes, that that thing that was said five yeah. years ago, maybe now is the time that that will come. So sometimes yeah. he tells you things so and true. you just have to, and to wait. Sometimes we think five years is a long time and he goes, well, 400 is not that long. <laughs> that changes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. Oh, no, but him five years picture. happened. Um, where did we get up to? Is it 34, was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, 39, I think. 37, I think. Yeah, so this is the, that Act Moses seven, who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from, his, from your own people. He was in the assembly in the desert with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, and he received living words to pass on to us. But our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their heart turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, they told Aaron, sorry, make us gods who go, who will go back before us, even though they'd just come out of Egypt, isn't it? As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and held celebrations in honour of what their hands had made. But God turned away and gave them over to the worship of the heavenly bodies. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the desert, O house of Israel? You lifted up the shrine of Molech and the star of your god, Rephim. So in other words, the Egyptians, they worshipped about 10 or 11 gods. One of them was a star. One was, you know, um, Molech was like a statue. And there was prosperity. And actually, mm-hmm. I think Molech was fertility, actually. Um, but when they talk fertility, they talk about the animals reproducing, the crops mm-hmm. reproducing, and people. So they don't just talk people. They're talking about productive you know, crops and animals and people. So, But they worshipped all these things. And he said, even though God brought them out, they forgot about him. And then God said, therefore I will send you into exile behind, beyond Babylon. And I think it's pretty much straightforward, but I think it's like um, people are so... I think it just I don't know, it reminds us that we're stubborn, aren't we? That, <laughs> you know, God's trying to do these changes and yet the people reject. Yeah. In, <laughs> individually, I like to think yeah. we're not stubborn. But as a community... Yes. As no, a I think people, I'm quite stubborn sometimes. We are. <laughs> I think it's also that... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's that stubbornness that, that proves that free will. Yeah. If, if God wanted us to do things, he'd just tell us to do them and we would do them. But we have the choice not and to. And I just find it interesting. Um, I don't know, just I'm looking at it and thinking those, the whole thing through. It's like, when you think of that story just then, it's just, it's just talked about he prophesied about them being in four years, 400 years in slavery and then them be delivered. Then I've seen Moses, they rejected him. He goes away. God meets him. He comes back. They recognise that God's hands on him, does massive signs and wonders, and then they get to the other side, and then they go, oh, no, it's not that God, it's we, we follow the gods of Egypt. And so then God <laughs> hands them over. Weren't they... Weren't they led... A, yeah, a pillar, pillar of cloud by, by day and fire by night. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. That's it. That's right. <laughs> How do you forget that and be like, you know what, this shiny calf that I made of my own hand is, is higher than yeah. any any I know, it's I, really, I have um, seen do you amazing know, wonders. It just shows how quickly, you know, it's 40 days, like it's a month, a bit over a month. It's <laughs> not long. Yeah. And But then it says, our, sorry. Yeah. It just, yeah. I just, it's amazing. But then I also wonder because they didn't necessarily, they didn't have, they had these signs of these wonders happening, 
but then they they forget obviously. Whereas I've often wondered what's different between between me, hmm. what's different between me and these people in the desert. What's the difference? We we both believe in the same God. We've both seen miracles, and then I remember I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, who can remind me very intimately that that you know where God is and what God's doing, whereas they didn't. So I'm like, how much different that is there between these people in the desert and myself? Yeah, and I think that's the big key about the Holy Spirit. You know, it's. Um, it actually says he who's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than you know and it's like we it's it's not like we're a better person but it's basically when we have the Holy Spirit we have such a privilege that the Old Testament people didn't have they had a Holy Spirit coming on a leader like Moses and then leaving and then on David and coming down and then leaving and um, but then Mm. we have the Holy Spirit with us And they, yeah. they had everything third hand. They had teaching was given through someone. Whereas yeah. I can receive teaching and revelation on my own. You know? That's a great thing. I, and, and I don't even need the Bible with me to get it. You need to be walking down yeah. the street and, and see something. You can go and go, see that? Yeah. No, it's, it's powerful. You know, he, but the Bible keeps us yeah. nice and sure and steadfast and firm and, you know, from wandering. Um, but what? No. no. But I, I, never, I find um, never throw that away. The camera little <laughs> thing, and it's probably wrong. But anyway, it's how I think is. It's like I often like technology, and so I often think when you went from little mono earphones to stereo headphones in the old days, because I remember the little mono ones, and then you had stereo, and then you get to go to mono mm. again. But it's kind of, but but um, it's interesting with um. Stereo speakers, you have slightly different from the left to the right ear, but that gives a richer sound. And I often think it's interesting how it's like God will speak to us in a sense yep. through the Bible in our left ear. And then as like you said, then you're walking down the street and you say something and then he just speaks into your heart or he speaks in your spirit or audibly, however he wants to speak at the time. And then it's like, and you're hearing and we're going, oh, that's, you know, it's yeah. agreeing with what I'm hearing in scripture. And it's like, then you get that like richer sound. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. Because he confirms his word and then his word confirms. Because sometimes he'll tell you something and then the next day you'll be reading the Bible going, oh, that's what he told me yesterday. And it's, you know, that um, just reassurance. And I, I, so I think it's like stereo. It's like you're hearing in the word, you're hearing through um, what he's speaking to a spirit. Sometimes it can be through um, a preacher. Sometimes it can be through the testimony of another person, you know, or through other things. But what it's doing is because it's got that agreement, then it's like a stereo and it's like mm. a um, uh, like an orchestra, I suppose. Our, our son's been doing some tech EDM stuff, tech um, music. Um, not too advanced, but he's doing music for his school. And Mm-hmm. What was interesting is he'll record, so he does it all himself because it's all electronic, but he'll record like a bass and then he'll record another thing mm-hmm. and then he might download another sound and add it. And so it's just interesting because the more you add, when they're working together, the sort of richer the sound is. 
and I think that's um, you know encouraging. I think that's where what we have yeah. above what the Old Testament you know, people had was we when you're seeing the pillar of the cloud, we got the Holy Spirit reminding us, ah, oh, you know, that's God, <laughs> or you know, He's amazing, or something, and you got that stereo, you know. Um, like even now you can see yeah. different things go oh yeah I can see God really in this situation whereas um, it's funny you might talk to a non-Christian they don't see God in any of it uh, and some of it we go no I can really see God in this and you know is confirming it and things like that so I want to continue okay. 44 yeah verse 44 uh, yes yeah. we can continue where did we 44 Acts 7.44 Our ancestors had the turbuncle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the turbuncle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David who enjoyed God's favour and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. The son who wants to... What is it? No, I'll take you. Just wait a minute. Cool. A little while. Do you want to? Okay. You can do that. Okay. That's okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bye, boys. Um. They've had a quick breakfast, so they're going to go home with Kerry. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to stay. They're, they'll they yeah, finished. early. Oh, yeah. They finished. They finished really know. early. <laughs> okay, I let's go back to so yeah, 45, 46, somewhere. Oh, I've just finished yeah. first, uh, 47. Mm. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made of human hands, as the prophet said. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. And what kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You will resist the Holy Spirit, and there ever... And there ever a prophet your ancestors did not prosecute. They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was yeah, given. It's quite to a the strong angels, it's quite a strong word, isn't it? it. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I had to stop there because yeah, the next it, bit is the heading of the next. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because <laughs> so I like, actually am reading time. through two chronicles at the moment in the Bible in my morning devotions, um, and it's interesting because mm-hmm. this morning's is actually about Solomon building the temple. Uh, <laughs> so that's what I read this morning. So it's like really quite fresh, um, <laughs> and I just find it really interesting. It's that. Um, in First Chronicles, and at the start, you hear, you know, David had in his heart to build the temple, or the, and the, so the tabernacle was the tent, so that was made out of cloth, and it had the, um, you know, bronze altar, and it had the, you know, yeah. and had the holy of holies, and the, you know, all that sort of stuff, 
And then David wanted to build a temple and he said, you know, God's living in a tent. Sorry? It's because... Yeah. Mm. And he wanted to do this. We're not living through but the God said, um, I don't live in that anyway. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I, I, in a sense, the tent's for you to see, but I don't live, you know, I can't be held by that. But he, when Solomon builds the temple, so what... I was reading this morning is after they built the temple, they did all these sacrifices and they did um, seven days of sacrifice, then seven days of feasting and then seven days of um, something else. Because basically on the 23rd day, they then sent the people home. So they had 23 days of you know, sacrificing and partying and celebrating and all that sort of stuff. And 20, 23 days later, they go back home rejoicing and celebrating and all that sort of stuff of the temple being built but it's interesting God's presence came but it's like you know even even then he's saying you know he's not limited by a building it's just that he'll show himself to you at that place but he's um, and I think it's always encouraging that you can see God moving like overseas in the area and it's like yes you might see him there moving over over that situation but he's not bound by that he's also with us and he's also you know with you in Port Lincoln's with me, you know, it's that side of, he might be very tangible, very obvious in one place, but doesn't mean he's not in other places at the same time. And it's just encouraging. So, then, then he gets... Oh, yeah. It's taken ages yeah. to understand that. that so way. then it gets strong, doesn't it? He's then saying... That section. The, I like this, it says, Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? But it's interesting. And what I find interesting, remember we were talking last week, this is Stephen. So this is a guy who's waiting on tables and then he's, then it, I find it interesting because then he's saying, you know, you're, if you're persecuting mm-hmm. me, there's not even a prophet that they didn't persecute. And he persecuted me. And it's just like, hey, um, I, I just find it interesting. He didn't have a title, but he was saying, hey, what I'm speaking is from God. I'm, I'm basically prophesying it. To prophesy is to get, get a message from God and bring it, you know, to declare it. And so, um, so then we're going to 54. The, the, mm. When they heard this, they were furious, gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at some of their voices. Reminds me of a kid. La, 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 la. You know where you're, you know where you're trying to tell them off or something and they don't want to hear you. And they, they block their ears and they go, la, 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 And I feel like that's what they're doing. To, yeah. Really, they're acting as kids. This whole... It is. This whole section <laughs> just when you, is very childish. Yeah. Who, who gnashes their teeth at people? And yeah. I got I opened several different versions of the Bible to make sure that I had the right meaning of gnashed. gnashed the and note, yeah. it's in pretty much every English yeah, version. So, yeah, gnashing their teeth, yelling right. at the top of their voice then, and covering their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They rush at him, yeah. dragged him on going, that's, that's um, I pretty much say that's a good sign that people aren't listening to what you're going to say. <laughs> there. Blocking their ears, yelling at the top of their voice. Yes. Yeah, and they, they, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. 
Meanwhile, witnesses <laughs> laid their clothing at the feet of a young man named Saul, who we hear about later. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And it's a very sad part, um, but it's interesting that he didn't get aggro. He didn't say, hey, stop, or anything like that. He just, you know, was peaceful about it, really. Mm. We have to remember here as well that he is being led very strongly by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And he is getting <laughs> He's got the love, all of the fruit, joy, and he peace, is at, at a point where... Yeah. Yes. Yes. And peace and all of their oh, self-control. <laughs> yeah. He's just managed to recite all of the above and yeah. cast, essentially cast judgment on someone else, which you're not supposed to do, but he did it. <laughs> well, <laughs> he pointed I, at them and said, But I think he's, at the start he's reminded them that they are the same <laughs> as him. And at the end. You know, and has, has there ever been a prophet who your forefathers or fathers yeah. did not persecute? And it's like, you know, they did this. Um, yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. I get that. But then he pointed directly at them and said, you stiff-necked people. Yeah. So it's just... The only the only way I can bring that yeah. in is that he is accusing them of, of being something. And let's remember that God is the only one who judges. What I'm essentially yeah. saying is this guy is so full of so full of the Holy Spirit that he's more or less being led yeah. very and strongly by God. He's not ashamed, he's not afraid. I think that's one of the things to talk about when you're filled with the Spirit. There's a boldness that comes. Um Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was pretty bold. You know, it's um I I think it's actually it's, it's mm. I suppose that there's a hard part in it. And I think you see, like you talked about earlier, there's 400 years that God prophesied that they'd be enslaved in Egypt. And, well, actually, they'd be in Egypt, then they'd be enslaved, and they'd be in there for 400 yep. years. So yeah, it didn't start off as slavery, but it got worse and worse. Yeah. But I think it's interesting. You a 400-year plan. What about the people who lived the first yep. few hundred years? <laughs> they never saw it. You know, and even... When they came out of Egypt, the when they came to the Promised Land, and they, you know, remember they chose fear over God. Because they chose fear, He sent them into wilderness, and all but Caleb and Joshua died in the wilderness. And then only those who were under, you know, those are the young ones who were actually the only ones who came mm. into the land. So anyone who was an adult or mature died in the wilderness and you think all those things and um, I don't know it's, it's just sobering I suppose this is sobering because you think he was doing everything God wanted him to do and yet he ended up dying well, look Moses yeah yep and Moses yeah. didn't make it either Disobedience. God said no because of your you know disagreement yeah. with me you also will not see, um, see the problem. I find that quite fascinating that even Moses' one, we could talk ages on that, but I find it interesting that God told him to, to strike a stone and when he stuck, 
struck the stone, water gushed out, and it fed, uh, sorry, gave water to all the Israel stock. But they recommend there's probably at that stage around a million people plus cattle. So it's a lot of water. So it's like Adelaide's water supply. So a lot of water coming out of a rock. Um, but it's interesting that, that the next time <laughs> when they get desperate, Moses <laughs> came to God and he said, speak to the rock. But then he struck it, you know, like he'd done the previous time. And I, I do find that a challenge that it's like, got to be listening to what God says now, not what he said last time. Because if you do what you did last time that worked and he told you something different this time, you're actually disobedient. And for Moses, it meant he missed the promise. He missed the promised land because he resorted to an old method. And I think it's a, a challenge, especially when we're changing things, that we've got to be so careful we don't just go, the older is better. Um, because God can be saying, I'm not saying he is in all, all ways, yeah. but God can be saying in situations, if you do the old way, you're, it's not only not going to work as well, but it's disobedience. And, um, and what's interesting is, in that mm. situation, the people got water still. Right, right. So they still got. So even though he was disobedient, they still got the water. And I think that, to me, it speaks a lot because um, at the moment one of the challenges is, God, what are you wanting us to look like as a church? What are you wanting us to? How are you wanting us to reach the community better? You know, and what are you saying for now? And the challenge for me is, um, if I do it the old way, it might look the mm. same. So everyone else might go, oh, you're fruitful. Oh, you're growing. Oh, you're effective. Um, but to God, you're actually being disobedient. And you'll miss, ultimately, the promise that he had planned for you. And so it's very sobering. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. No, so I don't uh, but I just I Mainly just think that, I didn't prepare um, a lot on Moses. Yeah, I'm just like. <laughs> yeah. I have. I was thinking through that though. I was thinking through that though that Stephen, in mm. this, has done everything more or less that's been asked of him, and he, he I think he's received the promise yeah. because he's saying that. And I think I can see um, God and I can see Jesus. Because at the moment we're talking to our kids at the moment because. Yeah, Afghanistan situations got very bad very quickly, and you know we don't know how confirmed it is, but we got emails this morning saying there's 22 missionaries sentenced to death tomorrow, and all these other Christians who are being persecuted, and we're not sure about the you know how accurate different things are, but we know there is different sufferings. But at that side of we're saying to our kids, you know the main thing is we want to make sure that you're safe in your faith with God, that you understand, you know, you've got that first, you've got that assurance there. You know, we don't want bad things to happen, but we're not going to be like Stephen. Well, we are. We want to be like Stephen and not shy away if things go bad. And that's a hard thing. Yeah. There's so many things. I mean, like, you don't want to be like Peter, essentially going... Yes. Yeah, you know, I don't know God. What are you talking about? I'm not friends with that. No, no, I don't know Jesus. What are you talking about? 
it's essentially like this is the contrast, isn't it? This is where where yeah, Peter failed in that actually. moment. Yeah. Stephen has not. And and so Stephen is a good um, analogy that. And I always come back. I don't know it just struck me out that stuck out to me that um, that figure of speech then, but it stuck out to me just that fact of you know you got the elite apostles if you want to put it that way. Not that they wanted to be elite, but people put them in that position. And then they said, let us focus on the word and prayer. We just need someone to help mm-hmm. wait on tables and give it to you know the widows. Um, but choose people who are godly. You know, don't don't just choose anyone. Choose someone who is a bit godly, and you know they have the spirit of God in them. But then get them to do the job. And then the next thing you find, one of the guys who's doing that menial task, God's using him to perform miracles, and then he get ends up being the first mm. martyr. So it's interesting because um, it's not Peter or any of the apostles that was the first martyr. It's actually a person doing the serving of food. And I, I don't know. I just think it's quite yeah. interesting that in heaven, I think different rewards and things, I think we'll be surprised that there'll be people who we think they're just the menial workers or the not doing much. And God will say, no, these people have been serving me with full heart. You know, um, they've been serving with more faith and all sorts of things. I think it's going to be interesting um, when different things happen, you know, we'll lay down everything, our crowns before God and all that sort of stuff, but the, it'll be like he'll recognise people and we're going, oh, I didn't think they were much. And God will say, no, they were bigger than the big name person. Yes, it does make me make me wonder. Yep. And the people who have the bigger name also have the bigger burden. Yeah. I mean, you are tested more often so to, for you to be true, you have to be yeah. very, yeah. I, very I think committed to serving yeah. God. And I often wonder that. Like, you look at the big mega yeah. churches, and the guy at the top, the guy or the girl at the top, is always well-dressed, and they always seem to be, you know, well-off, fairly affluent, and you think... Are you like this in your personal life, or is this just because you? This is because it's a big church, and you have to like this, and this is the image. Like, <laughs> do you actually have a lot of money? What are you doing with the money? Yeah. I think that's the I think that's the key is that the, the love of money is the root of all evil, and so just, the um, like when I was in Indonesia, for example, I, you know, was preaching one time. They got me to preach in different churches and things. And I remember preaching and I came back to where I was staying and was having lunch. And then one of the church members came to the house and brought me shoes. And I'm like, these are really nice shoes. And they basically says, we can't have pastor looking like you. (laughs) And I think... Yeah, and they were really nice shoes, and I had them for but years. Like they <laughs> nice quality shoes. Um, I had, you know, Kmart black shoes that I took over. Um, you know, just comfy shoes. But and I think that's that's um, the balance. You don't seek these things, but sometimes people will want to bless and and give, and that sort of thing. You don't 
reject the blessing because they're going to get blessed because they give. And so that can be um, with, a, with a lot of leaders. Often when you think about it, you've got a lot of people giving different things yeah. and people going, you know, if, if I've given you a nice pair of shoes and next week I see you with no shoes or a shoe with holes in it, that's not very good that you're not respecting that I've given you this. So I think there's a better combination, but I think, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm also wondering how much yes. of the, the the blessing in a large church yeah. Well, I think, I think bigger than, yeah, but I think bigger than the church is actually, no, Does no, I think, I think bigger than the church is actually walking a delicate line here. <laughs> and that is to reach the world. And I think that's the bigger thing because it's yeah. not so much even even to yeah. say you know the church in terms of like you know to do things more at the building and that sort of stuff that's missing half of it because you know really um, it's giving for the vision to, that you want to reach the world and you want to do these different things um, and sometimes it is through things that cost a lot of money like you know some of the things that we do cost a lot of money just getting um, online you know like putting on TV costs a fair bit every week. Um, and But it's like an investment saying, you know what, we're going to invest yes, in this because we want to reach out. You know. And I have yeah. absolutely no problem with the church spending money where it needs to spend money. I just think, as a church though, we need to... Yes. The fellowship yeah. in the church needs to remain humble. That, from the leader Yeah, down. and I think... I think That's that is, what I, I think, think. That's what I think needs to happen. <laughs> if our leaders are living, if our leaders are living yes. in China, no, I agree. And I think, you, probably uh, but what you generally find is, um, for myself personally, I, I think what I have to always do is I have to be careful that I speak against the leader because I don't know situations. Um, so I, I know some leaders that pretty much live below, you know, below pension income, but people keep blessing him with, you know, mm-hmm. furniture and gifts and this sort of stuff. Yeah. And they go, it looks like they're affluent, but they're actually living yeah. very modestly. It's just that it looks very appealing. And you get the other side, you know, this, um, you know, I think yeah. there's a lot of balance. But I think the main thing is that we keep our yeah. heart right because we can never, you know, you can never know the full situation. So myself, it's just like um, David said something, which is something that always distracts me. He says, um, going all over the place, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but at one point, David comes along. Yeah, but I, I no, think right. when I think David comes along in, the, in, um, in Kings and he brings a sack... Um, well, it's interesting because he calls a census and God says, because you looked to your own devices and not to me, you have to choose your punishment. And so he chose a plague. And so a plague went through the people and then he put an altar up and this he goes to this farmer and says, I would like to buy this land so that we can offer sacrifice to God. And the farmer says, um, you know, whatever pleases you, but have the land, I'll give it to you and I'll give I'll you know, I'll get my cattle and things and you can use that as an offering. And David said a classic line. He said, I will not give the Lord what costs me nothing. And I think it's that attitude with, 
ourselves and even in leaders and that sort of thing that sometimes it's like mm-hmm. people will go um, I'll give you these things but it's like sometimes you say no I'm not going to give what costs me nothing you know I'm, I'm not going to um, for example you know someone gives me a hundred dollars I'm not going to say I'm going to bless someone with fifty dollars because it sort of cost me nothing if you know what I mean um, but it might be saying you know God might put in my heart you know I've been blessed with a hundred dollars I'm going to mm-hmm. bless two hundred dollars to this situation or something I'm going to something that costs me and then God brings through so anyhow that's just a little tip but yes like you're saying we've probably gone a little bit over the place with acts um, oh no I'm just I just I'm thinking like if you, you could take the podcast, last yes. half an hour of what we talk about, yeah. but I, I think um, <laughs> Stephen's a hero of mine. I think is a hero of a lot of people. He um, diligent, really. When you think about it, he was a diligent servant. He was used by God to do miraculous signs and wonders. He spoke clearly, and died for his faith. It's pretty. You know, you don't hear anything bad about Stephen, to be honest. Hey, well, that's a Catholic thing. Did Stephen become well, a saint. A Catholic thing, yeah. Because did Stephen yeah, become a saint? So, well, oh, yeah, of course. Because so, saint, um, <laughs> saint just means the chosen of God. So any every Christian would just, we actually say every Christian is a saint. So what Catholics do is they say if a person is known to have done a miracle, then they call them a saint. But it's not biblical. It's just their little, um, you know, their little institutionalized little ritual thing. Um, we'll call them a saint if they recognize miracle, which is a bit sad because every Christian should be able to testify to a miracle. <laughs> you know, uh, you'd expect over someone's life that every every Christian is going to have at least a couple of miracles that people could testify yeah. to. So, I suppose in that sense, we are also saints as well. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to. I just was quickly going through my. I was like auditing. I'm like, yeah. Wait, I, have I? <laughs> I think. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. It's just, it's mm. actually in that moment when I was reflecting, do I have any miracles that I should bring to yeah. the table? And I was thinking, it took me a while to be like, to think that was a miracle. Like yeah. I just looked and thought, no, no, that's just normal. And then I had to think, no, no, wait, <laughs> that's not. Yeah. Normal. it is no, normal no. now, but uh, it wasn't which normal. Is always to give thanks to God because <laughs> He does work miracles through us, and sometimes it's. The little miracles that make a big difference, and mm. um, you know, it can be. I, I remember hearing um, a lady speak one time, and she was trying to share Christ with someone who's. Um, I don't know if they lived on the street, but they always saw them at the park bench. Like you know, they were regularly there. So I don't think they were, I don't think they lived on the street. I think they just spent a lot of time outside, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. probably were not working or something. But they she would talk to this person all the time and wasn't getting through at all. And then one time she's there and she just shared how she had an electricity bill or rent she couldn't afford and just prayed and said, God, I need this money. I don't know how to do it. And somehow, you know, she'd been, someone had dropped in a letterbox or some other thing had come miraculously and had provided to the cent what she needed for her bill. And she told it to this person who was on the, on the, the bench, you know, mm-hmm. when they're there, and it opened the person's eyes, and they became a Christian, and they, you know, went on with God because that was to them a huge miracle. But we often go, oh, that's just God doing it again, you know. <laughs> I just trust Him, and He provides, you know. 
but when you're not used to it, it's a miracle. Like yeah. um, we don't have to chase after things like the. That's what it says Jesus in, said in Matthew said the pagans run after these things or chase after these things, but seek first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added to you. So he's saying, chill out, relax. I've got this, you know, and that might be a little miracle, but some others, it's a massive miracle. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, on yeah. Friday when I caught the plane, I was going to tell you this on Sunday, but I forgot. <laughs> the snack we got, <laughs> the label on it was called Manna from Heaven. <laughs> I just remember looking at it and thinking to myself, "Yeah, well, this is just yeah. a little reminder. Oh. Like, I know everyone <laughs> on the plane got it, but when I got it, I was yeah. like... You know, yeah, and also I thought yeah. I also thought whoever yeah. made that product was just a genius because <laughs> you're in an aeroplane and you get a snack that's called manna from here. Yeah. I want to point out there was well, actually, no manna. The funny thing is, although we know a little bit from the description of what manna was, do you know what the word manna means? No, it actually stands no. for what is no. it? I'm hoping food from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so all you have to do is have a box that you can't see through and say, this is manna. And people go, what is it? Yeah, exactly, manna. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, there was a strange lot of things in there. There was a yeah. weird biscuit and some, um, a cashew slice and some... Yeah, I, I remember catching almond? a plane years weird. ago. <laughs> totally off topic now, but anyway, I remember it got a people... Got, yeah, yeah, it got people in a lot of trouble. Um, we, we've deviated what it was was it was possible. I think from Sydney flight to it might have been overseas I can't remember um, Sydney to Melbourne or it was from like Singapore to Melbourne can't remember but anyway on the flight they gave you the box of food and everything and in it was an orange mm-hmm. and some people on the flight thought oh, I'll have the orange later mm-hmm. put it in the handbag came into quarantine and got fined because they were bringing in fruit from overseas into Australia <laughs> and the people are going I didn't think you know they gave me this on the plane that I can't actually take it off the plane so <laughs> yes and I remember yeah I mean they shouldn't they yeah, should I'll make it clear please on the plane. yeah <laughs> cut it up and <laughs> or something and say you know do not leave this do not take this with you or something. Make it clear. But yeah, I remember um, yes. because there was people ahead of me and they were called off by the security and everything. So If it was cut up... Te- yeah, because technically if it's cut up and put in another bag and like... I don't know. Field, you could then take uh, it to your customers. They're pretty strict. Cut up, I think. Yes. Either yeah. way, at least, you, at least they'd know it yeah, from the so, airline. Uh, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> Any other thoughts? Probably have to stop at this chapter, I reckon, because I've already talked a fair bit. <laughs> but anything else here? It is a long... Yeah, we have. We've yeah. Been I think it... Like, no, <laughs> we no, said no, last week, it is a long no. one to go through his speech. Um, but I'm encouraged. Overall, the two things I really get from it is, one is Stephen had the boldness, which um, at the end especially, he was bold to say, hey, you know... <laughs> Is there, a, is there a prophet who you haven't persecuted? But, I, but overall, I find his whole story is, is showing that throughout history, mm. it's like God's patient, but also God's moving. And I think it's good that, you know, it's like 
almost, even though he doesn't say it, and I don't want to read too much into it, but it's, it's almost like he's saying, you know what, even if you don't hear what I'm hearing um, and you reject what I'm saying, eventually your children or your children's children or some others will accept it. You know, that it's, um, you know, they rejected the prophets, but then you've seen how then later generations have accepted it. You know, they rejected Moses and 40 years later they accepted him. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of... So, and so it's sort of that encouraging. It's like, you know what? Um, here it is. If you reject me, if you reject the message, um, you know, it's happened before, but my prayer is that your children or your children's children will accept it. Um, it's not in there, so you can't read too much into it, but you sort of, I, what I do like is how it's like God calls mm-hmm. Abraham and then he br- calls him out of Haran. You know, it's like he calls him, brings him out and then calls him again. You know, Moses, he calls him, he stuffs it up, kills the Egyptian and flees, then called, calls him again and uses him. And I always find that interesting. It's like he calls, calls again. It's not like, you know, you've, you've had the one call and you missed it and you've blown it and so that's the end of, it, end of you know, end of the round. Um, he calls again, you know, and, I, and then Stephen's saying, hey, yep. <laughs> And then people go off track. And so, you know, you're stiff-necked. You you always resist the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Was there ever a prophet? Your fathers did not persecute it. You know, they even killed those who predicted the commanding of the righteous one. It's interesting that they're saying they even killed the ones who were predicting the right thing. (laughs) So, and a lot of history there, but yeah, Mm. I think it's probably enough. um, Probably rambled more than usual. (laughs) I, I think the season being with COVID and with the whole um, Afghanistan thing today and yesterday, it's just got me thinking, yeah, it's that, that sobering thought that God's moving. We don't often see it fully, but he's moving. And I'm encouraged by that, you know. Um, yeah, a lot to think. Mm. I'll go away thinking about this, I reckon. It's just, we're waiting to see what... I know. I'm just waiting to see what he's doing in New South Wales. Oh, that's huge. Because I think that's Locally, a bit... Locally, yeah. Just waiting for him to... Um, yeah, I was talking... So, yeah. Pastor Phil does a mm. Zoom on a Wednesday night, just 15 minutes. And so, he did one today, tonight. We heard it. And um, normally, mm. we don't hear it, but we had dinner early, so we actually heard it. <laughs> and, mm. yeah, he's, tonight was talking about Hebrews 6 and talks about that... Um, yeah, in Christ he's like an anchor to our soul, sure and steadfast, and that's that side of when things around are going here and there, you know, he's an anchor. And I think that's something in the season. Um, I feel a bit funny sometimes because I was talking to mm-hmm. some people yesterday and they're in New South Wales and they're all in lockdown and working from home and all that sort of stuff and I'm sitting there going to work as usual and, you know, coming home as usual and, you know, complaining about a mask but I can do everything else. Yeah. So, so, yeah. yeah. So far, South Australia's been quite blessed with how we've, yeah, you know, That's gotten good. through this. Okay, do you want to? Yes. So, yeah. um, and I loved what I love Stephen's final word. So, I might as well come back to finish on the last verse of Acts. I said, you know, he fell on his knees and cried out, "Lord, do not hold this sin against them." When he had said this, he fell asleep which we sort of understand is he died. <laughs> um, but 
Uh, it's the term. It's the term they used. Because he says um, many have fallen asleep in Christ, <laughs> and those who are asleep will rise up in when he comes in return. Yes, we know it means more than just asleep. <laughs> you know, um, actually, it's interesting when Jesus had the uh, with Tabitha or whatever when he went to the house, and he said she's gone to sleep, and they said, "Ah, oh, we'll wake her up." And he says, "Ah, oh, I mean she's dead." <laughs> <laughs> and, says, and then he's told them plainly, she's dead. <laughs> Just like, you know, you know, <laughs> very clear. But I do that. I do find that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, it's encouraging. And it's like when, when wronged and even to the point that they're killing him, he's saying his heart is, Lord, don't hold that against them. And it's very, very good attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll stop it there.